I believe that even though we cannot control what happens to us, we do have complete control over how we choose to respond. I believe that this life is love school. Every experience, whether it's joyful or painful, is an opportunity for us to learn, change, and grow into a better version of ourselves. This is why I created Life is Love School. I am Yumei Chang, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to part two of How to Survive a Difficult Breakup. If you missed part one, I linked to it in the show notes below, so definitely check it out. You are also welcome to join us on Facebook at Life is Love School. I share daily posts on how to identify toxic partners, how to heal from trauma, and how to rebuild your life. So today we are also going to cover four points, and starting with point number one, I'll just jump right in. So point number one, which is really important, and I don't see it being discussed enough, is that we have to make a decision. We have to decide to move on. There is a common misperception that time heals everything. It does not. We have to make a very conscious decision that enough is enough. It's time to move on. I remember in one point in my life when I was trying to get over a painful breakup, and I was just wallowing. I was literally taking time machines, wondering like, what if I were to have done this, and the outcome could have changed maybe differently. A time machine doesn't exist, and any time that you spend hoping, wishing, resisting the present, is just time wasted. And later you're going to look back in life and really, really regret that. So what yanked me out of that time traveling was actually two of my girlfriends in the same week. So these two girlfriends, one is from Croatia and one is from China. They separately told me that, hey, you know, it's time for you to wake up, you may, because our moms were left by our father over two decades ago, and today our fathers have separately remarried, and still our moms are resentful of what the father did. And still not over it. So we see you going down that path. It's time for you to wake up. I was so glad that they told me that because it shook me to the core. I thought that just by giving myself time, that I will naturally heal. In fact, it doesn't. So don't berate yourself for pushing back on reality. It's actually a very natural part of the grieving process to want to fight what happened, especially if what happened is not something we wanted. It is easy to lapse into magical thinking, but just know that endlessly rehashing the what ifs is not going to be fruitful at some point. You have to give yourself a stop loss to say, "Hey, this is enough. It's time for me to move on." Nobody can do this for you. You're the only one who could do it. As much as your friends and family or your therapist would love to help you get there, they can only help you. Ultimately, you have to own that decision. Point number two is to recognize that when a relationship doesn't work, it's not all about you. I often emphasize the important to be self-reflective, to look at a situation that happened and say, "Hey, you know, which part do I own? What can I do differently? What lessons can I learn?" However, some people also have a tendency, and myself falls into that camp, which is, "Hey, we're a can-do people.、Uh, we want to take our life into our own control." We can overdo it and then become a self-blaming exercise, where it's like I own everything; everything is my fault. The most extreme example is that I see victims of abuse actually blaming themselves for the abusive behaviors of their partner. Right? That is definitely an example of over-owning it, and also understand that you can't be the only one that's broken in any relationship. Water always seeks its own level. It takes two people to tangle. If we believe that we're broken, then the partner that we're with is also broken. Otherwise, they would not find us attractive in the first place, and vice versa. 
it's always a key and a lock situation. So if you look at, you know, a typical case of a narcissist, which is like, you know, the popular term of the day and a codependent, both of them have self-esteem issues. It's just how they decide to get validation is different. One does it through suppressing the other person and the codependent then tries to be a people pleaser and try to get validation that way. But the underlying trauma is, I would say, a mirror image of each other. It's just how they decide to deal with it is different. So the important thing is to definitely look at your part in it and see what you can control because ultimately you have to recognize that to learn the lessons you need to learn so you do not make the same mistake again. At the same time, it's also important to be discerning there and not over-earn aspects of where the relationship failed that has nothing to do with you. Point number three dovetails on the previous point, which is recognize that abuse is always a choice and that you cannot make them fix themselves. They have to want it for themselves. I often hear people say, hey, you know, my partner says that she or he is going to change. You're going to stop hitting me. Um, they're going to go to therapy and do all these things to fix themselves. Should I stay? And my advice to them is always no, because if you stay, how would you know that it's not just a tactic that they deploy to keep you versus a genuine desire to change? We cannot change for anyone else. That would not stick. The only person we can change for is ourselves. So unless you leave, you will never find out if your partner generally wants to change for themselves or is just using this as a tactic to keep you. Also, if abuse came from long-standing trauma, for example, like childhood trauma or any kind of trauma, it takes a long time for that person to heal. I'm talking about years of concerted effort, therapy, self-help books and meditation, journaling. Don't wait for that because there's a good chance that this person may never change. So don't bet your one life on it. And also, if you break up with this person and they genuinely make a change a few years down the road, you're alive she's alive or he's alive, there is always a chance that you can get back together. So I would say the best thing to do right now is to let them go, let them heal, and you focus on yourself as well. Along the same point, because a person can only change because they want to, even if we're really tempted to send our ex like, hey, you know, watch this YouTube video or read this book because we heal and we get so many aha moments, like realizations of what went on in our relationship, Trust me that you're the last person they want to hear this from, right? Hopefully their friends or therapists or eventually they'll learn the lesson somewhere, but don't try to push it on them. They're not going to be receptive towards it. Another common question I get is, hey, you know, my ex has moved on and got a new boyfriend, a girlfriend, and I'm still all alone. I feel so bad. Did I make a wrong choice? The answer is no, you did not. What I commonly see is people with low self-esteem cannot be by themselves because it's miserable being with by themselves and having to live with their own thoughts or having to self-reflect. They don't want to do that. They're just not as aware. So people that have low self-esteem, if they're not able to look inside of themselves, they want the shortcut, which is, hey, let me find the next person that can give me external validation. These are people that are unable to validate themselves. So everything has to come externally. Now they don't have you to validate them. Of course, they're going to be desperate to look for a new relationship. 
I hope that we can all be braver than this and use the time to self-reflect and learn the lesson we need to learn so we do not repeat the same mistake. So do not look at what your ex is doing. And here's another reason why it's really important to block them and do complete no contact because any observation of what the other person is doing is distracting from your own healing process and it's emotional turmoil that you really just don't need at this point. The last and final point number four is to know that hoovering is coming. Even if this person discarded you, trust that they will come. Even if you do no contact, they will try to reach out to you through phone, text, social media, everything. But if you do a great job of no contacting, it makes it that much harder for them to hoover you. And it will really increase your odds of successfully leaving a toxic relationship. You might want to go one step further and ask your friends and family to not tell you anything they see or hear about your ex unless it's absolutely necessary and pertinent to your financial or physical well-being. Sometimes it is reasonable to think that, you know, our friends feel upset at the abuser for us and, and or even in some cases, the ex might have recruited them to act as kind of the ambassadors for them to try to make up with you. In any case, if they bring up the ex, it could just stir up emotions that you don't need at this point. So let people know that you just don't want to hear about the ex. Use your best judgment, but more often than not, no contact is just the best option. Now, the reason that the abuser are going to Hoover is that they really hate losing you as a subject of control. It has nothing to do with whether they all of a sudden had an awakening or feels any sense of remorse. They will do that even if they discarded you. And oftentimes what they do is they'll contact you right about the time you're starting to feel better and their timing is almost uncanny. If they catch you at a moment where you're feeling lonely or you're suffering from low self-esteem, you could be very vulnerable to getting sucked back. And this is usually when a, a person who made a leap to go actually gets sucked back because having anyone at that point could somehow feel better than feeling like being alone. Also, the abuser has all the advantages in the world. You've told them what you wanted, what you cared for, but they ignored you. Now they might just drop enough of a breadcrumb treat your way to lure you back. If they can't lure you back with that, what they could do is they'll try to guilt trip you, which you know a lot of parents love to do this. For example, they might say, you know, how could you abandon me? I'm like your family, or you know, your wings are stiff, so you want to abandon us. You're too good for us. Do you know how difficult it is to raise a kid? I have to wake up to feed you and change your diapers, etc. So these parents will literally parade anything that a person is supposed to do as special and use it to guilt trip you. A romantic partner might be like, you know, I wash dishes sometimes and I also take out the garbage and all these like little things that they should have been doing anyways because they were in a relationship. They could blow it up, make it big and use it to guilt trip you. If the guilt trip doesn't work, then the hooverer might dangle a little carrot, right? Like um, I see this in, in family situations too, that, you know, hey, I got this pile of money. It's an inheritance. If you do this and do what I want you to do, then, you know, I'll pass it on to you. If you want that, if you crave that, you want something from this person, then there's a dependency and the abuser can use it to control you. So the, the thing that abusers hate the most are people that are self-reliant and self-possessed and own their own power because it gives the abuser no surface to grab onto. So make sure that you practice self-love, you practice self-reliance so that you can be happy by yourself because then there is nothing that they can hook you. 
So to recap, today we covered four points. Point number one is you have to decide to move on. Nobody can do that for you. If you don't decide to move on, you could waste a lot of, of your life, maybe for the rest of your life, wallowing in resentment. Number two is do self-reflect, but do not over-own responsibilities. Definitely don't own other people's bad behaviors. Number three is focus on your own healing. Don't look the other way. Don't try to make the other person change and don't worry about what the other person is doing. Focus on yourself. And number four is to know that hoovering is coming. So make sure that you stay really strong and make sure that you do complete no contact if possible. Getting over a breakup is not easy. And I hope that these tips are useful for you. As always, love hearing from you. And please do join us on Facebook at Life is Love School. I'll see you next time.